Welcome back to Like Honestly. I'm Erica. And I'm Mariah. And today we are talking about negotiating. We had kind of teased that in an earlier episode. I can't remember which episode it was, but Mariah is just ruthless and she's really, really good. She uh, learned a lot of skills and tips from her dad. But before we dive into that, um, we kind of talked about this on... If you follow either of us on Instagram, we had we had teased this. So in episode three, we talk about some ghostly happenings, uh, mostly with Mariah. I don't really have that many, <laughs> but there's an update and it's creepy. Yeah. Okay. So I couldn't, I wish that I could have waited to tell you like on the podcast so I could have got your reaction live, but I was like, I just was like shook and I could not wait to tell you. So, um, Okay. So listeners, (laughs) I, um, called my dad. Well, so like this week was my birthday. So my dad was talking to me on my birthday and he like, I don't know, forgot to tell me then. So I called him like the next day and he told me, he was like, Oh my God, I forgot to tell you like yesterday when we talked, I forgot to tell you this crazy thing that happened. And I'm like, what? He's like, well, ghost activity at the house. So like, mind you, I have not told my parents about the podcast yet because like I teased in my stories that we're waiting till we're millionaires from the podcast. So, um, which is like going to happen any day now. But, um, (laughs) so I was kind of like, I just, I don't know. I just have, I haven't told them about the podcast yet. I wasn't sure how raunchy it was going to get. So like Dave didn't need to get all worked up for nothing quite yet. So, um, I hadn't told them about that. So they knew nothing that you and I were like talking about the ghostly encounters and stuff at my house. So like, guys, if you haven't listened to episode three yet, you need to go back and listen to episode three so that you can kind of hear some of the stories that I'm talking about. And then what I'm about to tell you will make sense. So my stepmom, Julia, is kind of the one that's like always had these experiences. And my dad's like always jealous, like, why, why doesn't anyone want to talk to me? Well, <laughs> Dave, you know, got his mother freaking wish. So he was making a BLT and he... Which, first of all, nom. Yum. <laughs> so all the mayo. <laughs> he was making a BLT. So we recorded that episode on a Sunday. And he said that this happened to him on a month, like that Monday after we recorded it and he was like washing the lettuce and put the lettuce like at my father's house the stove is right next to the sink kind of so he like had a paper towel on laying on the stove and then put the let like the washed lettuce on the paper towel to dry off while he was getting the rest of his stuff and he turned his back and julia and my stepsister gabby were there and they all were like standing right there and they heard like a smack And they turned around and my dad was like, what was that? And Julia was like, look. And she pointed on the floor and the lettuce, only the lettuce, not the paper towel, had like fallen over and smacked on the floor. But like it couldn't have just like fallen off the stove. Especially with not without the paper towel. Right. That's like what's weird about it. So and she saw she looked up. So then like 
the way that my dad's kitchen is set up, you can kind of like see into the dining room, which then like loops over into the living room. And she saw the black shadow that I talked about in the episode, like moving into the living room. Mm. I know. So then my, you know, my dad like got instant chills up his, like up his back, which is what usually happens. Like when Julia tells him these stories, but he's never had anything like, He's never witnessed anything and they've never had anything like move or anything be like physically disturbed yet. Like the only thing that's really happened is like, Ooh, you feel something kind of behind you or like Julia sees this shadow, but they've never had like anything. I don't want to say like poltergeist because I don't want to believe that it's like anything bad, but that's like a little bit more poltergeisty to me, I guess. So, um, I guess I never asked this the other day. Did he see the shadow too, or just, just no, Julia? Saw yeah, it? just Julia and Gabby didn't see it either, but like Gabby is, um, she's 17, but like when all of this started happening, she was like eight, seven or eight. And like, we didn't talk about it in front of her. Like we didn't want her to get freaked out by it. And she never said anything to us about it. So we just like, I don't know how much of it she actually knows. So she did, but she did not see the shadow, but then a couple of day, a couple of days later the same kind of scenario happened my dad was in the kitchen and he had like mail in his hands and he put the newspaper on the stove in the same spot that the lettuce was on turned his back and the newspaper fell off the stove so this is like two separate occasions and he Julia wasn't there and Gabby wasn't there but he did not see a black shadow but he said that he just like walked outside cuz he was like he felt something and it felt weird. And I called Julia then to ask her about it. And I was like, what the hell went on with the lettuce in the newspaper? Tell me everything. She's like, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it much. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you haven't thought about it? Like you have a poltergeist in your kitchen that's throwing shit off the stove and you haven't thought about it. Like I wouldn't be able to stop thinking about that. And she was like, you know, she's like very, um, she's very calm and like sweet and, like, yeah. we don't think about it. It doesn't exist. So, yeah, she's like, well, I don't know. I just don't really want to think about it. I was like, okay, well, t- too bad because I'm going to make you. I want to hear everything. But she kind of described it as, like, in the past when she's seen that or, like, when she's felt something. It hasn't, like, it's been, like, in the distance. It's almost as if you were, like, sitting inside and you see somebody outside walk by and like, you know that they're there and stuff, but like they're, they have nothing to do with you. So she said that like, even though like she's seen the shadow inside the house, it's like, okay, I know that they're there, but they have nothing to do with me. Like they're not looking at me. They're not like targeting me or anything. But she said that this one, this felt weird because it was like an infringement on her presence. Like she felt it closer she felt it closer and like not I asked her if it felt like bad and she was like well I don't think it felt bad it just felt closer like she was just oh way more aware of it. which like I'm like home alone right now I'm like getting chills just thinking about it that like I mean they haven't had any ghost or like any presence activity that they've like felt in that house since the story that I told about like my ex sitting on the couch and seeing the shadow going up and down the stairs. So And that was like years ago. That was like four at least four years ago. So it's it's like so fucking weird to me that I'm 5,000 miles away in Alaska and like we were talking about it for like a good chunk of time on Sunday and this shit started happening on Monday. 
after four years. Yeah, and then that night, <laughs> and I'm, again, this is probably not anything except for like my subconscious, but like, and then that night I had a dream about being possessed by like a Chucky like doll. Stop, <laughs> stop. See, I don't want it to be bad. Like, I want it to be somebody that like is bringing me like good memories or like doing something nice. Like, I don't want it to be like throwing vegetables. Well, and you said something when you called me to tell me about it that I'm going to choose to believe is that maybe it was um, trying to protect in some way. Like, yes. don't put paper on the stove. Yeah. See, that's like what I want to believe is that it's like something, even though it's Julia describing as like a black shadow, is that it's like some kind of protection in one way or another. And like, I don't know if it was like awakened by us talking about it or if that's even a thing. Like, I don't know what I believe. I think I believe something after all this stuff. But yeah, like, you know, Dave, my dad, putting paper towels on the stove or putting newspaper on the stove, like it's throw it's thrown that shit off because like you, that's dumb. You shouldn't do that, dad. <laughs> do you think, or has Julia saged the place? No, but like, the, okay, listeners, if you know anything about this, like I've read so much stuff about sage and like you should sage the place. And then I've read other things like, don't do that. If you don't know what you're doing, like it's not good. You shouldn't even buy your own sage. Somebody should give it to you. Like I've read all kinds of weird shit about sage. Who is supposed to do the saging then? Somebody who's like, like, I don't know, like a witch or I don't know, a priest. A licensed sager? <laughs> a licensed spirit ridder of her I don't know man I'm telling you we gotta find a median um, oh by the way when I was going when I was going back through and editing that episode I uh, caught that I said medium instead of median oh no I said median instead of medium yeah what whatever <laughs> it's medium right yes yeah, medium so I said the wrong thing that's okay and then and then I was listening to it and I was like oh I came in I can't fix it <laughs> <laughs> Mm, you're like editing over with mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's fine I mean I think it just like where you know we can't always be 100% perfect like we normally are damn near close and then we laughed and laughed <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah that's the ghost story people I like really want to know your thoughts on this because I don't know how to feel about it. I'm like a little bit excited about it, but like also I kind of just want to hear other people's stories about ghosts. Like, and I want to be able to be like, oh yeah, I believe that, but like not have it happen to me. I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts about it. And I want to, I want to know if you think that like it's related in a way, like why after four years we were, we talking about it in depth in like, you know, fairly depth and it's like all of a sudden happening again. And I had, when I was posting about it on Instagram, a woman that Rob and I are friends with replied to it. And then she was like, my life is filled with ghosts. And I was like, tell me everything. Tell us all of it. And so, yeah, like, please guys, let us know if you guys have good stories. Maybe we'll make this into a series and we can like bring people on as guests to like share their stories. This is something that we're both super interested in. So please share. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what today's moving on <laughs> moving on let me teach you how to scumbag people <laughs> just kidding no no this is about getting good deals this is a motherfucking fine art <laughs> yeah 
So if you guys would recall, we talked about in the last, or I don't know, one of those episodes where Mariah is is not afraid to be aggressive and to kind of like, you know, I don't know, like put people in a position where they just have to bow down to her requests versus <laughs> almost to a fault. Like I, I'm not a jerk, but I just believe in fairness. And I also like a great deal. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm just like, oh no, okay. Never mind. Sorry. Sorry to bother you. Didn't mean to ask. Okay, Sorry I bye. asked. Can I pay you ten dollars for bothering you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I really I think that this is something that was like passed down for me from my dad, like, you know, being a single father and raising an only child who happens to be like a girl, you know, me is probably intimidating. And he was like always just instilling in me, like never be taken advantage of and like always stand your ground, always fight back. Um, So I think like, a lot of these things apply to a lot of different parts of my life, not just negotiating, but negotiating happens to be like one of my favorite things. Like I really, I don't know. It's kind of like a drug. Like I really get like a high off of it. And I like, I like it. (laughs) I like making people uncomfortable, especially so like most of the people that you usually have to negotiate with are like people that, believe they have this like sense of power over you and even if they even if somebody does have power over me I don't like to let them know it or I want them to at least earn it so like you don't you don't get to earn it just by me walking into your doors and saying like hey I want to buy something from you like you don't have power over me well and it's like you know I think cars buying cars is the first thing at least for me it's like the most obvious thing that comes to mind Mm -hmm. and that industry is super notorious for like they are making huge profit off of these cars and and people who uh my mom was saying that uh they're they're about to buy a car for my sister and what Kendall's driving not yet she doesn't okay. want to kids these days are weird they like don't want their licenses they don't want to drive and I was like nope 14 I need a job I gotta pay for my shit when I was 16 I need a car so that my stepdad doesn't have to come pick me up at 1 a.m at my job (laughs) like pretty sure that was illegal but that's fine so uh (laughs) but anyway so that but my mom was saying she's like yeah I'm bringing my friend um, he, you know, like a few years ago, he worked at a car dealership really like briefly. So he knows like all the, all the tricks and he knows that at the end of the month that they got to get rid of these cars because, uh, if they keep them or something, like if they keep them the next month and they have to pay like thousands of dollars just to keep them on the lot. So it benefits them to have you pay even like a lower price just so that they can get it off the lot. Mm-hmm. So it's just like little tricks like that. So it's like they they have no shame and in pu- pulling all the tricks and all the stops on you to get you to pay more. So if you have a benefit or a, a leg up in having some of that information and that know-how and like the balls to do it, <laughs> then like why the fuck not? The other the other scenario that always comes to mind in terms of negotiations is like salary or or raises and especially with you and I and you know 
probably a lot of our, our listeners are, are female and that can be a disadvantage and yeah being taken advantage of in in places of power like that's that's exactly what I'm talking about like you you hit the nail on the head when you said like you know they have no problem pulling those things on you so like why should you have a problem pulling it on them and that's what I was referring to where it's like I want to set the tone, even if it makes me come off as a bitch at first, like I want to set the tone that like we're on an equal playing level. Like you're selling me something and I'm buying something, but we're both looking at the same something and like, you know, you're not more powerful than me. If anything, like I'm buying something from you and supporting you. Therefore, like, you know, without being a total Karen, it's like you need to listen to me a little bit too. Right. Like you need to feel like you are getting value out of what you're paying. 100%. So I'll just jump into like what my dad always taught me when I was little. Like if there's a price tag on something, like if it's at a store and you're just working with like a, you know, a cashier or something, like obviously you're not going to negotiate at a place like Mm -hmm. that. But if there's something with like a MSRP, like price tag, so like, a lot of your big purchases will have this, um, you know, furniture, appliances, cars, rent, even like, I don't know how much now, but like rent is negotiable. Obviously a house is negotiable. So he was always like, you know, even teaching me to price something like price it higher than what you want or what you're you're willing to settle for because people are always going to try to negotiate. So that's the same thing that car dealerships do. They have like an MSRP, but like it's negotiable. So my favorite story of this is me buying my most recent car. It was like, it was really fun. I was there for like six hours, which is crazy, but I got a freaking good deal. And Ed, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry for putting you through what I put you through. He was my car salesman. And like, I think that he might have gone home and cried. But I did buy him like a $50 bottle of vodka afterwards. So which he promptly drank. He definitely drank. <laughs> um, but he earned it. I mean, it's fine. We, we were good afterwards. We gave each other a hug. This is pre-COVID. We gave each other a hug afterwards. And he was like, you're an artist. I was like, yeah, you're a, <laughs> you're a fucking great man, Ed. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Okay, so I brought my dad with me and I was like, my dad used to be a car salesman. So he kind of like has known these tips and tricks like his whole life. And he's told me about them. But I was like, all right, dad, like I want to do this completely on my own, but like jump in if I'm doing something really wrong. But otherwise you're just going to have to like do a really good job of trying to bite your tongue. So he did really good surprisingly, but yeah, so I like had in mind what I wanted. They didn't have it on the lot, but they had a couple that were like close. So I started using, that was my first negotiation was like, well, I want to take something home this week. I don't want to order it and like have to wait for it. But what you have is not what I want. So that was like my first negotiation. And like, even though I wasn't really super hung up on anything like black leather seats versus tan leather seats, you know, I went in thinking that I wanted black, but then I saw the tan and I actually ended up liking the tan more. So I was fine with the the tan being the one that they had on the lot, but like, I wasn't going to tell them that. Right. You know, like I want to tell, I want to be like, damn, I really wish I had black though. Well, we can order it for you, but I really don't want to wait for it. (laughs) So (laughs) it's like all playing the game and like not 
agreeing to anything in the beginning was like how I did it kind of. And like they will try to play people that are negotiating, try to play like cute games with you. And they try to like schmooze you by being cute and charming and like, fuck that. You're not cute and charming. Like you're scumbag. Not, <laughs> not, not you, Ed, not you, Ed. Ed was actually really cute and charming. And I know, <laughs> I know a couple of other car salesmen who are cute and charming, but like they still do like Dave. Yes. Like Dave, my dad is the cutest and the most charming. Like it doesn't, that's why he's not a car salesman anymore. (laughs) He couldn't do it anymore because it was too dishonest for him. That's what he always says. Like it was breaking my heart every day because it was too dishonest. No, I actually like completely believe that. (laughs) But he's still good at it. Like, I don't know. Anyways, um, they, they'll do these, especially like with, a pretty girl like walking in or like a naive girl like you would get fucking yeah you would get eaten alive but they also are super like if you're a pretty girl and you know how to talk back they're like whoa like am I a little turned on by this or am I a little fucking intimidated by this or both and like that's where you get the power. I want to take this opportunity to plug our next episode, which we'll be talking about Twin Peaks. And I feel like that applies there too. They expect you to walk up to the table and be a dumbass. And then when you can like talk a little shit to them, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Ooh, give me more, baby girl. Like, yeah, it's it's like a combination of like intimidation, but like, wow, that's fucking sexy and she's dominating and like I like it. <laughs> like I like to dominate. So, I mean, it's it's a whole psychological motherfuck is what it is. So, yeah, so the guy was like playing, you know, he started playing one of his cute games with me when we finally I test drove like four cars and then I drove two of them twice because I was like playing the game and also wanting to get what I want though, you know, like wanting to make sure that I'm making the right decision. A lot of times they try to get you like in and out of there so quick because time is money, which I understand. But at the same time, like I'm not spending $45,000 here to not like to settle, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So he started playing this cute game with me where he brought out all the paperwork and he had like all of the things that I wanted to add or like the things that I wanted to take away. And he was like pricing them like itemizing them and pricing them. And so then he showed me like, you know, the difference between the MSRP and what I was like, I was adding leather seats and adding blah, blah, blah. And you're actually still getting it for $400 less than the MSRP. Like read those fine details because you're actually not. He's like showing you the MSRP of like a better model. So that was like the first thing. And I was like, this isn't even the right car. Go get me the right paperwork. Wait, if he was showing you the MSRP for, oh, never mind. Like he was showing me like the luxury version where I was buying like the middle version and then I was adding things to it. Oh, so he was creating the illusion that you're getting it for a deal. Right. Because, oh, right. Which is, I get it. Like I, good work, slime ball. But like, I also (laughs) checked your work and it's wrong. Take it back. Bring me the corrections. (laughs) (laughs) So that was like the first thing. And then I think he was like, oh shit. Like I really am kind of dealing with a monster. 
So he came back and he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I apologize, ma'am. And he like wouldn't stop apologizing. And I was like, if you apologize one more time, I'm going to rip this paper in half. Like, I <laughs> am done hearing you're sorry. It's fine. We're moving on. Fix it. <laughs> Fix it. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't care. You're trying to pull your tricks on me. It's fine. Admit it. I don't care. Like, I'm trying to pull tricks on you too, except mine are working. Yours aren't. Step it up. <laughs> <laughs> so he brought back like the next paper and he's like, oh yeah, this is much better. You're going to like this number way better. And he had it like circled at the bottom and I took the pen and like out of his hand because like he didn't give me a pen. I needed a pen too. Like you're going to write shit down. I'm going to write shit down. So I grabbed the pen out of his hand and I was like, mm, I'm going to like this number better. And I like crossed off a couple of his and like rewrote different numbers that I liked better, which were like way lower than what I anticipated on paying but like we're gonna meet in the middle right that's what negotiating mm -hmm. is about he was you know like when you buy a car they have to like go and take it into their management and they like you know they sit there and they're like yo what do you want to get for lunch like what are we doing tonight they like they <laughs> pretend like they're talking but like really they're not and these are the things that I know because my dad used to do it so I they like the car dealership that I went to and I think a lot of them are built like this now are in like they're in like big showrooms and then the management's office is in like a fishbowl kind of thing. So it's like this glass like office, you can see into it and they mm -hmm. can see you. So I was like sitting there and he was taking forever. So I was like tapping my fingers and then I like put my head down and then like he looked over and he like gave me the nod like, yeah, yeah, we're working on it, girlfriend. Like we got, we're working on you. Don't worry about it. And I was like so impatient, but I was also like trying to, make him a little bit nervous too. So I put my feet up on the table <laughs> and my dad was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, dad, you literally created a monster. Oh, Dave. And like, I could see the pride and like the horror in his face all in one. <laughs> but yeah, I put his feet up and then Ed comes out or I put my feet up and then Ed comes out and he was like, oh, Miss Black, we got this for you, Miss Black. I think I have something you're going to like. And I was like, you better double check that I'm going to like it. <laughs> and by this point, I had like, there were like four or five people like kind of watching at this point. And like, they're all men. They, <laughs> there was like a father and a son there. And the son was like buying a truck. And he was kind of doing the same thing that I was doing. He was like, yeah, I brought my dad along for the ride. But like, I'm going to try to do it myself. And I was like, hey, man, I'm like out for hire. And he was like, I will, I will seriously pay you to do what you're doing right now. This reminds me of, this is not a good, I, I don't have a good reason why it reminded me of this, but for some reason it reminded me of that scene in Miss Congeniality where uh, Sandra Bullock and um, I don't know, the main cop guy are like wrestling on the mat and then all the guys start watching and they're like, oh, I got money on the girl. That is how it was. And I think that like by the end of it, they were like a, the car dealers, the car dealer and the manager were like both equally like annoyed and impressed. But they were just like, get her the fuck out of here. Like give her whatever she wants and get her the fuck out of here. And also, thank God that's not me. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know like – Car dealers, if you're listening to this, I still might have got played a little bit, which I do think that I did get played a little bit. They ended up bringing out like the secondary paperwork, which they claimed was like their own receipt for what they paid for the car, which like 
I don't think that any dealership would disclose that, but I went along with it because it was a number that I liked. So he was like, this is what we paid for the car. Like we are not making any profit on you if we agree to your number. Like if we agree to what you wrote down and what you're tapping your feet about, we will lose money on this. So I like took that paperwork out of their hand and I added a penny to it. (laughs) And he was like, okay, deal. Really? Yeah. But like, that's where like, I was like, I felt good because it was like a number that I liked. And it was funny to me that like I added a penny and they agreed to it. But I also like, they had to have made more money than a penny on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was thinking they, they probably have like a plan B file of paperwork that they bring out and they're like, this is the minimum. Yeah. They had a lawyer drafted up to make it a look official. Like, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was like an actual, it looked like a receipt or like, um, like an invoice kind of thing, I guess. I don't know. It looked like it looked legit, but see, I was going to say before you said the penny thing, I was going to say, so what you just like gave him a hundred bucks cash personally and he, he let you have it, but that's way better. (laughs) Yeah. I just like took it and I crossed or I like put like a dot zero one at the end of it. I admire it. It was fun though. Like People cringe about situations like that. And like at the end of the day, like we're all, it's not like I'm taking advantage of somebody who can't afford to be taken advantage of. Like I'm not going to negotiate with like a small, I mean, I know car salesmen are small business owners to some extent. The dealership that I bought for was not a small business by any means, but like, I'm not going to go into like a small family owned like pizzeria and be like, Hey, let me get that $12 large for $8, you know, like a price is a price at that extent. But with things like that, where I know that there's like wiggle room and it's common knowledge that there's wiggle room, like you bet your ass, I won't have any shame in it. And I totally like, it's just the weirdest thing. Like I'm very much aligned with you. And in theory, like everything that you just laid down, like, fuck yeah, I would do that. But I won't because I think I just have a deeper complex around judgment. Like I, I will physically, I physically cringe at the thought of being criticized or being like, I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it, but like, that's why I hate presenting like at work. I hate presenting. Like I break out in sweats. I get like super worked up and then as soon as the the presentation's over I'm like drained because I just like left all my energy there people this is true like I have to go through Erica's presentation anxiety with her because that's like what I hear about the morning of (laughs) or the day before (laughs) yeah no it starts like my anxiety starts the day before and like I have to like actively not think about it or if I want to sleep at all that night and it's just, it's insane. And so it's something, and, uh, and to be really honest and transparent, that was kind of a motivator for me in trying to, trying this like podcast thing out is just kind of working out the nerves and, and not caring as much about like, I don't know, people and criticism and I don't know, any feedback whatsoever. Cause I, cause I'm also the person where someone could be like, Oh, that went really well. I'm like, Oh really? No, I don't think so. Did you hear the the tone when she said that one word? I just, I don't know. I think it's fake. Like I will just, I, whatever. Anyway. So the thought like in theory, what you're saying makes total sense and I'm totally on board with, but then like in practice, I would just 
break down in a puddle of tears. I don't even know. Like they would just tell me like, bitch, you're crazy. I'd be like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So, but here's where, okay. So here's what I'm going to teach you. This is your lesson. This is your takeaway point. You have to just have like, I mean, I know everyone's going to be like, be more confident, but it's true. Like you have to be, okay. The work presentation thing is a little bit different because you're, you obviously do care more about like what your coworkers or like what people you're trying to pitch something to, like their opinion of you, but like a stranger, like a car salesman or somebody like that, that's in the same boat as you, that they're trying to get a deal to that's different for me. Like, and that's where I'm able to have confidence in like, I know that I'm on an equal playing field as you. So like back up bud and watch me work. But I do still get the same anxieties like around somebody who I professionally admire. I feel like I'm a little bit, I can still, I can fake it a little bit better. I think like I can fake confidence to a point where it's maybe not as like, a parent or I can like pep talk myself where like, even though I'm anxious, I'll like pep talk, pep talk myself out of it. But there is a difference between like negotiating for a car and like presenting something or negotiating for a job or negotiating for a race. So I've been testing out different things like, uh, for like my meetings, for example, I'll type out my notes and I'll kind of run through it a few times. And when I feel really confident about it, so going back to what you're saying about building confidence, like I find those different, I have to find different techniques or tactics that make me feel more confident in being able to do it. So I think because I've never, um, like for instance, negotiating for a car, that's not something that is really like no one in my family does that, or at least like no one has ever talked about that with me. And like, I took my stepdad with me to go buy my last car. He, he didn't really have much to say. He was more or less just there to make sure like to make me feel better. Like if I had questions or, or just to call out anything that I'm not thinking of, because I'm very not car savvy, like very <laughs> much not car savvy. <laughs> yeah. He barely said anything at all. Uh, you know, during talking about price and and signing contracts and, and anything like that. So um, it just doesn't come naturally to me. And it's not something that I know, like, I don't know um, the boundaries of which to play in. Mm-hmm. And that's where you come in. <laughs> See, okay, here's something important to take away from this is I think something like buying a car, they're not going to kick you out. Like, you're never going to get kicked out of a car dealership where you're saying you're willing to spend money, right? The worst that they're going to say is like, wow, we can't go that low. You're crazy. Let me show you something that's more in your price point if that's all you want to spend. Or they bring out the paperwork that says, we're not making any money. (laughs) And then you add a penny. (laughs) But like, so I get the difference between um, like a work scenario where they can be like, all right, we'll screw you. Do you want a job or not? That's different where as something like a car to me is like, there's really not a whole lot of mistakes you can make in my opinion. So push the limit. Whereas in a professional setting, like read the room, if you feel like you're pushing the limit too much and people are starting to like, you know, squirm in their seats and feel uncomfortable, that's where you have to stop or pull back. Hey guys, this is Erica. I am currently 
editing this podcast and just wanted to pop in to give you guys some context. So when Mariah and I were recording this, we were having some technical issues where the system that we use kept cutting out. And so Mariah kept having to tell the same story over and over and over because it kept cutting out at the exact same point in her story, which just seemed really weird. Um, So I left in a little bit of the clip that you'll hear next just to capture some of our reaction um, after it it had happened uh, quite a few times. Hello. Oh my God. <laughs> it's literally the exact same spot. Okay. Is this Don? Don, is it you? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Lettuce on the stove, newspapers on the stove. Fuck you recording. This is bullshit. (laughs) We just talked for like five minutes. We just like shot the shit for five minutes. I know. So hope you enjoy that and uh, carry on and enjoy the rest of the episode. I'm seriously like I have thought about like pimping myself out for this like a side hustle. Next time I need to buy a car, I'll fly you out here. Dude, I'm serious. Like. I work with this girl who's like so sweet. She's like so innocent and sweet. And she's like, Mariah, will you just like teach me how to buy a car? Will you teach me how to ask our boss for a raise? And I'm like, sure. (laughs) Like, what do you want to (laughs) know? Sit down, bring. And she literally brought a pen and paper. I've done that. My, my friend Sophia is like, she'll like, she's a very like diligent person um and she'll like definitely like do the work put in the work take the notes like practice and and when she was i think early on in her career she was like practicing with her husband on you know negotiating and like talking about getting a raise and stuff and so like when i had to do that i was like tell me your ways (laughs) tell me everything see I think that like I could do like my job doesn't really allow for negotiations and like a raise really because I'm just paid like based off what an insurance company reimburses kind of. So there's like a little bit of wiggle room, like a couple dollars here and there, but it's not like, Hey, I've been with your company for 10 years. Like I'm going to need like, you know, a 20% increase in my salary. Holy shit. 10 years. Fuck. I need a raise annually inflation, bitch. No, like, yeah, no annually, (laughs) but I'm just like, (laughs) I don't know. I just mean like asking for like a big giant raise or like a bonus or something. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like annual raises aren't a thing in my field. So I feel like I could do that, but I just, I'm, I don't have like an actual experience of that. Yeah. And I feel like all the places that you've worked have been slightly different setups. But on that note, how do you approach a raise then? Like, what did you tell your coworker? So... Okay, so she was like grossly underpaid, which I don't think that she even realized. So the first thing that I think you need to do is your research, like your market research. What are other people like in my shoes? So like based on what I think my job performance is, what kind of experiences like that person has, what kind of like extra things can they bring to the table? So like, are you certified in anything else? Do you have any additional trainings, things like that? And like co- try to compare yourself to people who are as um, similar as you in that aspect. And then I say shoot high, like, 
within reason. So within reason is subjective, right? Like what you might think is within reason might be different than what I think is within reason. However, I think shoot high. So say we'll just use like super small numbers for now, just because it's going to be relevant. So say you want to make $10 an hour, right? Like that's more less than minimum wage at this point. But if you want to make $10 an hour, but you think that your boss is only going to maybe offer you seven or $8 an hour, well, then you ask for 12 or 13, knowing that you would be okay with making 10. Yeah. And, and this is, this kind of parallels what you even tell me. So like occasionally I sell some things on Poshmark. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And you're, con- you're constantly berating me because <laughs> I self it or I put, I post it and I'm like, yeah, here are these sneakers. They're, you know, kind of worn. I paid like 120 bucks for them, but here I'll give them for 25 because they're, you know, older and they're a little bit scuffed, but they're still cute. Like I always get compliments on them, whatever. And then people try to lowball me and be like, no, 15. I'm like, like, fuck off. Like you're getting a pair of like $120 sneakers for a great ass deal. And, but like, but whenever I go to complain about it, you're like, price it fucking higher. This is all about negotiation. People are going to lowball you so that you can find a place in the middle. So if you're already pl- placing it low, Right. Then you're going to end up paying less than what you want, no matter what. Right. And like people like that, that are using those sites are set up with a mentality, like my mentality that like, okay, this is a spot that negotiating is acceptable. This isn't a grocery store. This isn't a box store where you can't negotiate. This is Poshmark and it's acceptable. Like they have an offer. They have a button that you press to negotiate. So set it up that you're expecting to be negotiated with. Like if you saw something on there, I mean, I don't know, maybe there are people who just come in and they pay full asking price. I don't buy off of Poshmark, but like that's like buying a house to me. It's like, okay, somebody's asking $300,000 for a house. Am I going to hit them with a $300,000 offer without knowing that there's somebody else like trying to get in with me? Then no, like I'm going to come in with a lower offer because they priced it knowing that there might be some type of negotiation. Yeah. I am mean to you about that, but it is true. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I've I've been trying to be better about it too. I think that there's certain things like, so for instance, like you have something that you've been trying to sell for a while. And like, I think something like that, like there is a point where you just have to accept a loss at some point, which sucks. But like, that's something that, you know, you just, it sucks, but like you just have to accept the loss. But like, if you have a pair of $120 sneakers and you are only looking to get $25 out of it. Like, why don't you put 60 bucks on them half price and then hope that somebody gives you, they negotiate and give you 40 and then you're still $15 higher than what you anticipated. So you're making $15 and they think that they're saving $20 because they negotiated you down $20. Yep. So it's like everybody wins. That's like how I think the, you know, the card thing went with me is like, you know, they pulled out that extra paper and like they still won to some extent, like they still made money. It was definitely more than a penny that they claimed it was. But like, you know, we both walked away. Maybe they weren't super happy, but we both walked away like feeling as if we won a little bit. Which is funny because 
I think the saying goes is a good negotiation. It's something to the effect, to the effect of like in a good negotiation, everyone feels like they've lost or something like that. It's like no one gets exactly what they want. Yeah, no, nobody gets exactly what they want. But like you also shouldn't be like, damn, like that was bad. Like I totally you shouldn't feel like you totally screwed somebody over because like if you're a good person, then you won't try to get something like where you feel like the other person is completely losing. You're just going to try to get something for like a fair. It's just fair. dude. Yeah. And so this actually reminds me, this is like a total like sidebar story, but this reminds me of when I was in Bali and I, this like hurts my conscience because I didn't even do it on purpose, but there's like the, the little like bodega, like markets and stuff. And we were just walking through and, um, I had a little bit of money on me, but, but not much. And it was like our first day in, uh, God, I don't even, I don't even remember where we were, but it was our first day in the city. So we were just kind of like seeing what was out there. Um, and I, we walked up to this market and I saw this, um, dress and I like asked a question about it and, she answered and told me how much it was. And I was like, oh, okay, like I might come back. And I tried to walk away and she treated it like a negotiation. And, but that was not my intent at all. Like to me, I was like, oh, well, I want to be able to try this on. Like we are in like an open market. Like I don't, that's not something that I can do right now. My group is moving on. Like I'll come back if this is something that I want later was my, was my thought process. And, but, but as I was walking away, she just kept yelling like lower prices at me. (laughs) And so I was like, no, 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 no. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, I'm sorry. Like it's okay. And of course there's a language barrier and I had, and I just kept moving. And, um, during that trip, we had a, like a, a guide through some of it. And one of the other girls that was with me, told him like what happened and but the way that she framed it was like oh erica was like a killer negotiator like she she inquired about a product and then she just kept walking and then the woman just like kept yelling out crazy deals at her (laughs) and this guy got like mad like mad at me because it's like really offensive because that's like how they make their living but that's just not how i meant it at all and and so like even today i think about that i'm like oh yeah but like you weren't prompting anybody to yell things out at you something similar happened to me in when i was in the dominican and there was like a similar like open market style thing like that and i was we were there to shop and i was buying um there's like a dominican stone it's like a light blue stone and it's um, known in the Dominican. I think it's called like Lermar or something. Anyways, it's like, that's what I was buying everybody for presents. And they're like super cheap there. It's like, I don't know, like $12 for like a sterling silver um, ring or like bracelet pendant, whatever with the stone, but they'll negotiate down to like four or $5 per piece. Oh, hell yeah. So I was like doing it, but then they have like, you know, higher notches of the stones and stuff. Like they have like middle shelf and like top shelf stones. So mm-hmm. I was trying to get like the top shelf for like the middle shelf price. Cause I already had like 10 middle shelf ones in my hands. And I was like, well, all right, well, I want to add on like two of those, but for the same price, like I'm already buying all of this. <laughs> and they took like such offense to it. And it's not what I intended at all, but I was like, you guys are literally like yelling at me to get me. You guys are screaming 
numbers at me to get me to add on more, add on more. And then like, I said one number and like you got all pissed off. And I was like, I couldn't tell if it was like a negotiation strategy on their part or if they were actually pissed off. But then like one of the other therapists that I was with who was from the Dominican, he was like, all right, come with me. Like, they're not happy with you. Like we're leaving. Oh, oh so, no. I don't, I didn't really understand it because I was like, okay, like, I mean, obviously there's like a huge cultural, a huge language barrier there where like, what's acceptable, um, you know, in my opinion is not clearly wasn't acceptable in their opinion, but like, I'm also not used to people like shouting at me to try to get me to buy something from them. So I don't like, it was fun and I kind of got like the same little high from it, but like I did leave and like, I did end up leaving feeling really bad and like really like my conscience was heavy about the way that it went down because it wasn't my intentions at all. And that's what I think is like a bad negotiation. Like you shouldn't ever, unless you don't have a conscience, like some, uh, what I was referring to earlier is like a slime ball doesn't have a conscience. So like they don't care if they leave feeling like they took advantage of somebody, but if you're a truly good negotiator, like you should be able to shake hands at the end of it and like, okay, that was a good performance, like no hard feelings. Yeah, I like that. Just like you and Ed. Me and Ed. He like wrote a book. He gave me a signed copy of his book. Like I bought him a bottle of vodka. Yeah. What was his book about? It's a sci-fi book. Um, Ed, I'm really sorry if you're listening, but I have not finished it. But I'm Erica can vouch for me that I'm really bad at finishing books. Just not one of my fortes. So Yeah, you really are. If it if it's good you should send it to me I'll read it I need any more books yeah it's a sci-fi book and I'm pretty sure he's writing a second one right now damn <laughs> little um little spokesperson for Ed he's on Amazon Ed Snow is the is his name Ed Snow's got layers yeah we're gonna have to tag him in this I'm pretty sure he's not a car salesman anymore either I traumatized him or he's a good honest person <laughs> like Dave yeah, and I, I think that happens, right? Like I was saying that my mom, my mom's friend, he, I think it was back in like the, the, what was that? Like 2008 <laughs> market crash or whatever, like when the, when the economy was pretty shitty and, mm-hmm. and he had lost his job. And so that, like, that's like how he got, he got into that and he did it for a short while before he found something else. Um, so it was just kind of like a bridge between times. And like, just to clear things up, like, I think that there are really good car salesmen out there. Like my dad is friends with a lot of them. My dad is friends with one, like one of Rob's uncles owns a car dealership, like a small car dealership. And he's a really good man. Um, we, you and I have a mutual friend whose husband is a car dealership, like, or is a car salesman. And I think that he's a really good person. It just it does take a level of, so like, I also find myself to be a really good person, but I'm also a good negotiator. So there's like definitely some slime balls, more slime balls than not in the industry, which gives everybody a bad rap. But if you're a car salesman and you're listening to this, like comment and tell me that I did a good job. Um, but don't necessarily think that I think that you're an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Like what, tell us, what would you do if you encountered Mariah in your dealership? <laughs> run away yeah but I but I yeah that is such an important thing in in a very um I think a very 
without getting into everything, I think a very relevant statement for current times is like that is a stereotype of of car dealer dealers that they are gross and and slimy and they'll do anything for a deal. But we obviously know that that is not the case for every single person. Um, But we do know that like that's your job. And sometimes you do things, you know, there are just like Mariah has tactics. They're tactics to get your job done. They're proven to work. Most people don't put in the time and the the tedious effort that Mariah puts in to like actually look at the documents that they're putting in front of you. Like I didn't like now I'm thinking like, did my guy show me something? Did I actually read it? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, and so it's just like, it's not, it's not taking advantage of someone if they're not paying attention to it. Right. I, yes. And if you're not intentionally trying to like, seriously screw somebody over like you see a little old lady walking in and she's got like her little checkbook and you know that she's rich because she's got a giant like diamond on her finger and she's adorned with like nice jewelry like you're not saying like oh there's an easy target or the opposite like oh this little woman who like doesn't have a car and she has a little bit of savings and she just needs something to get around town let me upsell her like that would be a really shitty thing Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think as long as you do things with like, uh, not that it should be a game because obviously like a car salesman is trying to make a living too. But like, if you do things like you're playing a game and like you're using strategy that's appropriate and your opponent has a fair chance of winning or your opponent at least has a fair chance of like, I don't know, it's like wrestling. Like you're not going to be, you know, a 250 pound guy trying to wrestle a 130 pound woman. Right. Well, and, and like for my agency people that might be listening, it's like, uh, you look at your clientele or like your business as a whole. And sometimes you're going to have like really easy targets that are paying a lot of, like you're making a lot of money off of those sales. And then sometimes you're going to have people on the other end of the spectrum, like Mariah, where you're only making a penny, but as it all averages out, you're still making your money. Yeah. So yeah, like not everyone is going to be like Mariah. Not everyone's going to be a super easy target like me. But <laughs> <laughs> you're not an easy target anymore, though. You know, you have a few takeaway points. Hell yeah! I can't wait to <laughs> I can't wait to fly you down and just sit there while you negotiate for me. <laughs> I can't wait to put it all on Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, like Rob and I are gonna go and like buy our first house and be like, uh, no, sorry, Mariah needs to be here. <laughs> so okay, that's actually funny though that you bring a house up because I actually paid over the market or like over the asking price for my house because I got into a bidding war. However, I still got to feel like I won a little bit even though I paid more than what the house was listed for, I got into a bidding war and I won. So I still felt like I got a little bit of negotiating in, but it's like a different type of negotiating. Yeah. And I think, I think houses are just, it's different because it's so different. Yeah. Cause like you have, you have like direct competition. You very rarely have two people fighting over the same vehicle. <laughs> yeah. And it was weird. Like, okay, give me $10. Like, no, I'll give you 15 even though you only asked for 10. Like that was weird for me and that was hard for me. And my realtor actually had to kind of coach me on that because I wanted to come in with like a lower off, a little bit of a lower offer. And she was like, I would go in with full price. And I was like, fuck that. I never, my dad taught me to never do that. And like, I was just thinking in the back of my head how like Dave was going to be so 
embarrassed or whatever, but like, (laughs) you know, it ended up, I came in with like, I think the same or the asking price. She finally talked me into coming in with the asking price and somebody else did the same day. So then we had to go back in and up it a little bit. And I ended up like upping it enough that it beat the other person out. But that was a weird foreign concept for me. Yeah. See, I wa- I've watched enough Property Brothers to know <laughs> that <laughs> that you have to you have to evaluate the house and the the uh, the demand in the market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I don't know how the fuck you can tell. Like, how do you know if someone else is putting in a fucking offer? I don't know. You don't, and it's like it's like super secret in um, real estate. Is weird. Like I said, she said, okay, somebody else offered. We have to go in with another offer. And I was like, okay, well, what was that person's offer? And then I'll try to guess what they're going to go in with. And she's like, I can't tell you. You're like, add $15. Yeah. No, I was like, okay, but like blink for every $1,000 that they offered more than me. And she was like, I can't do that. I'm like, okay, but are you blinking? Like, (laughs) can you do that? Like I was, I don't know, that the whole thing was weird. You're like you're like your lips are saying no, but your eyelids are, are blinking. <laughs> but your body is telling me yes. Um, did you do like the whole charade of like sending a photo and writing a letter and like doing all that stuff too? For buying the house? Uh-huh. No. I know that you guys did that with renting a house, but I think that that's that's I've never heard of that for... So that's actually a common thing down here. But real estate is like uh, very demanding or it's in very high demand here in Texas uh, and where we are in Texas. And so I know that uh, I have a couple of friends who've done that actually. And so that that is the reason <laughs> we did it. For our listeners, like Erica put together an entire deck of like... <laughs> Her and her fiance and their fur children. It was like, meet the family, meet your potential renters. But I do think that there, because real estate is in really high demand here too, especially in my neighborhood. But I think that there's a difference between renting and buying or like leasing and buying because for you, it mattered to your landlord who's living there. Whereas like the person selling my house is just like, I don't fucking care who lives there. Who's going to give me more money? Yeah. Well, and I think like, so I had a friend who, um, I think they were still, I think they were still pregnant. Like she hadn't had her baby yet and they were trying to buy their first house cause they were living in like a two bedroom apartment. Um, and so, and I don't know, I don't know the details, but I think because it was in higher demand that they, and they, they probably knew that they had some competition. Um, and so they, they like wrote a letter and I think that kind of like helps personalize you. Um, and especially since like they were about to have a baby and, and stuff like that. Um, but, but, and normally, and to give context, it's not like we were trying to rent like an apartment in a giant apartment complex, which is what we normally do. But we ended up, um, finding this house that we are renting right now. Um, but we ended up finding this house just like very, very accidentally. It was actually just a very kind of cool story and like how we came across this place. Um, but we immediately put in an application 
And uh, the landlord emailed us back and was like, hey, like we're doing is basically an open, not really an open house because it's COVID. And so there was appointments, but there was like a two hour window where people could show up and they had like a 15 minute window where they could just walk around the house, which was super stressful because like 15 minutes is not that much time uh, to, to like look at all of the details that you want to be able to take in. Um, but anyway, but like as we pulled up, there was already a couple or there was a couple of dudes that were they looked like college age kids that were looking at the house. And then as we as we were like standing there waiting for them to be done touring the house, another family pulled up behind us. So it was like essentially a line. And then we knew that there was like one or two other people that had looked at the house at the yeah at the house earlier so we were like oh shit there's like a lot there's a lot of people that are interested um and we so the people that had pulled up behind us didn't want to wait i guess and they just left so that was like they were out and then the two dudes that were in front of us were like oh we because we we stayed and we purposely stayed and chatted with the landlord to try to like I don't know, be more personable with her. Um, and then just ca- we kind of got the feeling from her. Like she was kind of talking about the previous re- residents and like how much she loved them and like why they were leaving and stuff like that. And we were like, okay, she's not about to pick a couple of college dudes to live here. No way. Like she, she loves this house. Like she wants it to stay in good condition. So we wanted to play that up and we were like, we, we want to get it. We don't know who else was here, but look at our adorable family. We don't have any kids, but look at our, look at our precious ass dogs. Uh, look how cute we are without our masks on. Like we're very, we're very friendly. Please let us live here. And it like worked like a charm. Like literally the next morning she was like less than 24 hours later. She was like, yep, you got it. Thanks. Bye. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think that that that's yeah. And like your house is so cute. So I would definitely do that too. Like your listeners just need to know how cute it is. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. And that's the only reason. Like if it was just like a house that we just liked but didn't love, then we wouldn't have gone through the links, but it is just it is it is absolutely perfect perfect for what we needed Mm -hmm. um just just enough of a step up from our last apartment um it wasn't like a lateral move it wasn't like too much of a step up it was just it was just i can't emphasize enough it was perfect it is perfect yeah um and so that's why we went the extra lengths for it i think like if it came down to a bidding war on a house depends on how much I mean I guess it doesn't take that much effort to like write something up like that but like as much I don't know depending on how much I like love the house um and like all the things that go with it like the location and what is traffic like on my way to work and like how much motivation has to go into it and like all those kinds of things it's like am I willing to put in this effort like maybe I'll I'll go back and forth a little bit but I think it's so different though. It's so different. Like, because like I said, that it's just like an owner of a house doesn't give a fuck who lives in it. They don't, they're not going to have any ties to it afterwards. Whereas like a landlord of a house is going to care. So I think this was, this was helpful for me. I know that you've told me like kind of this story before, but not in so much of a, a lesson format. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but hopefully this was helpful to listeners as well. 
Yeah, I mean, and also, like, if you want me to pimp myself out to you to negotiate, like, I'm willing to negotiate. <laughs> Not really, right? <laughs> yeah, just, like, hit us up with your scenario, and she'll help guide you through it. <laughs> yeah, and we, like, won't do an hourly rate unless you want me there in person. Otherwise, my advice is free. Yeah, but then you got you to gotta fly her out there. <laughs> you got to fly me out, and flights from Alaska ain't cheap. But right now they are, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so anyways, wrapping it up, we got on a few tangents there. It was fun. We hope that you took some takeaway points away from negotiating. We are an open book. Like we probably said, we're both pretty different in this aspect. If you have any questions or you have any anxieties around this, you want to shoot us a Q&A, you want to drop us a comment. Um, we, appreci- we appreciate all honest reviews, only if they're five stars. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys have been listening, um, we did launch this week, so we have seen that, uh, you know, some people have been been tuning in, and we really, really appreciate it. It's really exciting for us. Um, If you like what you're hearing, um, please recommend us to a friend, or, and, and, not or, and go rate us on iTunes. That'd be super helpful for us. Yay. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, guys, and we will catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.